Why are there so many songs about rainbows? And what's on the other side? Why are there so many songs about rainbows? And what's on the other side? Rainbows are visions, but only illusions. And rainbows have nothing to Here in Southeast Virginia today, January 30th, 2010. I've been meaning for months to complete this podcast and put it online. Life has just been getting in the way as it so often does. Since I'm snowed in today, I've decided to finish this podcast and then maybe later go out and make a snowman. Before I get started, I want to mention that there was some technical problem with the last episode. For some reason, it wouldn't play on my website. I've been assured by those people who listen to it on iTunes that they were able to listen to it there. Hopefully the same thing won't happen with this episode. Um, I'm going to upload two different versions of this episode. But if it does, I'd recommend subscribing to my podcast on iTunes. Today's episode is Over the Rainbow Part 2. I'll be talking about why some gay men are over the rainbow or over the gay scene, but I'm also going to talk about making that rainbow connection including some of the merits of the gay scene and also the importance of creating new scenes for gay men. Before I do that, I'm going to tell you about the history of the gay movement's rainbow flag and bring you a news bulletin. Many gay and bisexual men, dissatisfied with modern religions that struggle to accept and condone us, 
are hearing the call of the old gods, those gods and religions of antiquity that embraced us and recognized our inherent spirituality. While modern religions debate our worth as lovers, as priests, as sexual beings, the old gods and the old religions embraced us as sacred. We were their shamans, their priests, the intermediaries between the gods and mankind. Many of the gods themselves were homosexual, bisexual, or transgendered. These gods were untamed, vibrant, and sexual. Accept their call and their healing embrace. These are the Male Mysteries, and I'm your host, Male Mystery. Breaking news. Okay, this actually happened back in October, but anyway. Crash director Paul Haggis quit Scientology. At least part of his reason is what he alleges is the organization's stance against gay marriage. Haggis wrote a letter to Tommy Davis, the head of Scientology's Celebrity Center, explaining that he was disappointed by the church's tacit denial of gay rights in the debate over California's gay marriage ban. Haggis said he was quitting the church after being a member for 35 years. Haggis wrote, I could not, in good conscience, be a member of an organization where gay bashing was tolerated. Way to go, Paul. If only more people would stand up to gay bashing within their religions, the world would be a better place. Then this is a day of independence for all the munchkins and their descendants. The rainbow flag, also known as the pride flag or the gay pride flag, is a symbol of gay pride. The colors reflect the diversity within the lesbian, gay, bisexual, and transgendered community, and the flag is often used as a symbol of gay pride in LGBT rights marches and parades. The rainbow flag was originally designed and hand-dyed by San Francisco artist and drag queen Gilbert Baker in 1978. It first flew in the San Francisco Gay Freedom Day Parade on June 25, 1978. The original flag consisted of eight stripes. Baker assigned specific meaning to each of the colors as follows. Hot pink for sexuality, red for life, orange for healing, yellow for sunlight, green for nature, turquoise for magic and art, indigo for serenity and harmony, and violet for spirit. Since then, the design has undergone several revisions. As of 2008, the most common variant consists of six stripes, with the colors red, orange, yellow, green, blue, and violet. The hot pink and turquoise have been totally removed, and the indigo has been replaced with blue. Personally, I find it ironic that the two colors that were removed represent sexuality and magic, since I find those two areas to be symbolically important in defining characteristics for gay people. The flag is commonly flown horizontally with the red stripe on top as the colors would appear in a natural rainbow. Many variations of the rainbow flag have been used. Some of the more common ones include the Greek letter lambda lowercase in white in the middle of the flag 
and a pink triangle or a black triangle in the upper left corner. Other colors have been added, such as a black stripe symbolizing those community members lost to AIDS. The rainbow flag celebrated its 30th anniversary in the year 2008. During the Gay Pride celebrations in June of 2003, during its 25th anniversary, Gilbert Baker restored the rainbow flag back to its original eight-stripe version and has since advocated that others do the same. However, the eight-stripe version has seen little adoption by the wider gay community, which is mostly stuck with the better-known six-stripe version. Today, many LGBT individuals and straight allies use the rainbow flag and rainbow bumper stickers as an outward symbol of their identity and support. The rainbow flag in an LGBT context has also found wide application on all manner of products including jewelry, clothing, and other personal items, and the rainbow flag colors are routinely used as a show of LGBT identity and solidarity. Close your eyes and tap your heels together three times. In his book, Reeling in the Years, Gay Men's Perspectives on Asian Ageism, Tim Bergling brought up the topic of a phenomenon known as the over-the-rainbow crowd. These are people who, for whatever reason, are over the gay scene. Perhaps once they embrace this scene, and maybe they were even very active in the gay community, but as they've gotten older, they found that the gay scene doesn't really suit them. And of course, there are countless other gay and bi men for whom the gay scene really never held much attraction in the first place. You can find the sentiment mimicked in countless personal ads and online profiles. I'm not into the gay scene. I'm over the gay scene. I'm not into the clubs. I'm just looking for someone normal. So what is this gay scene that so many people are, quote, over? I think when we talk about the gay scene, we're talking about a common set of stereotypes, cliches, and caricatures that unfortunately do have a significant grain of truth about them. When I think of the gay scene, I think of crowded bars that play the same genre of pounding dance music no matter where in the country you go. I think of shallow cliques of people obsessed with certain fashion and body ideals and who won't give you the time of day if you don't meet their standards. I think of extreme caricatures of gender with the drag queen on one end of the spectrum and the hyper-masculine leatherman and bears at the other. But the gay scene isn't just the club scene. There are also the pride parades and festivals where the attention is often had by yet more extreme individuals waving rainbow flags and promoting the idea that being gay is just one big party. In the digital world, there are the chat rooms where the most important question is ASL, age, sex, and location. And I've noticed a lot of gay personal sites where the first and sometimes only picture you see is of the person's dick, as if that's all that counts. Or perhaps they're just too closeted to show their face. Then on an intimate level, are the only things that really count the size of your dick and whether you're top or a bottom? Are these really my only sexual options? These cliches also play out on television and in the movies. A while back I watched the movie Mamma Mia. Speaking of stereotypes, I suppose going to a musical was a very gay thing to do. One of the characters in the movie, who acted very straight through most of the movie, came out as gay near the end and instantly transformed into the most exaggerated queen in the remaining song and dance numbers. Or what about the host of Lifetime show How to Look at Good Naked? And what could be more stereotypical than interior design as portrayed in Queer Eye for the Straight Guy? Is it any wonder that those of us who are mature, intelligent, and fairly normal are over the gay scene? I've got something to say About the way you're dealing in 
obligation We're one and not the same The same, no competition So find a way to change Being gay Is a waste Being gay Is the waste of time Being gay Is a waste Being gay Is the waste of my late 30s. I've been to two marches on Washington. I've been to pride parades, more pride parades than I can count. I've been involved in gay organizations, I rallied for the cause, and I used to go clubbing. However, at my second march on Washington, I had a reality check. I looked around and saw all these people who were representing the gay community. Men dressed in leather, drag queens, and mock drag queens wearing women's clothes with their beards. Lesbians running around topless, and skinny twinks wearing next to nothing. Then I went back to my hotel and I saw all these same people dressed like freaks on the news. That's when it hit me. That's what the whole world was seeing. Not people dressed or acting like ordinary people. It affected me so much that I decided to never go to a gay pride event again. Don't get me wrong, I'm proud of who I am and I'm not in a shade of being gay. I don't hide who I am, but I don't push it in everyone's face either. It's funny that we expect the world to treat us like ordinary people when we don't act like it. I think we in the gay community are our own worst enemies. If we just dressed and act like ordinary people at these things, the whole world would see that we are just like everyone else. But no, we have to take everything to the extreme and make everything into a performance, and then complain about why the world treats us differently. There are a lot of reasons why people might be over the gay scene or not into it in the first place. There are really lots of gay scenes, including the bars, social, political, and religious organizations, and the digital world. For the purposes of this podcast, I'll be pretty broad and general unless otherwise specified. There are some very genuine reasons people might not be into the gay scene. Perhaps clubbing just isn't their thing, and they prefer quieter, less crowded venues like bookstores and coffee shops. Maybe they feel more a part of a different scene that may or may not be embraced by the general gay population. For instance, they might be into the pagan scene, the science fiction scene, an outdoor nature and hiking scene, a music scene other than the type of music you hear in the clubs, or any number of hobbies. Maybe there aren't any gay organizations in their area that meet their interests, or maybe they're involved in a mainstream organization. I know personally I've probably been to more pagan events over the past six months than I've been to gay events in the past six years, and I've found a group of pagan men of all different sexual orientations that I hang out with most of the time. It seems like a good fit for me, though I have been trying more as of late to integrate both being gay and being pagan into such things as this podcast. 
Another reason people might be over the gay scene is a lack of trust in other gay men and a fear of being hurt. I mentioned a couple podcasts ago in my review of the book Gay Warrior that the author suggested that gay men often don't trust the very people they are attracted to, other men, because of bad experiences and betrayals from men throughout their lives, everyone from disappointed fathers to homophobic peers to bitchy gay queens. For some it may be that being over the gay scene is a coping mechanism, a way of protecting oneself against being hurt by other gay men who are also the target of our desires. I know one gay profile I saw on Friendster sums this up nicely. I have a great capacity to love, but I don't date anymore. I'm over the gay scene and trying to meet anyone. Mr. Wright is going to have to knock on my door, club me, and drag me off to his cave. My heart is real. I feel passion, love, and commitment. When those are betrayed so many times, I no longer want to freely give them. I am spent. I deserve better. But in the gay society, better isn't found. It's tripped on in the dark. I know that part of my own reason for being over the gay scene rests in being hurt and betrayed. I mentioned in episodes 4 and 5 my ex- own experiences with ageism in relation to a gay organization I'd been involved with for nearly a decade. I'm not going to beat a dead horse by retelling the story, but I will tell you that it was such an intensely negative experience for me that it was a long time before I even set foot again in a gay club or at a gay event. And even now, six years later, I'm reluctant to get involved very much in my local gay community or to show up at gay events. I saved what I feel is the least valid, though perhaps most pervasive, reason for being over the gay scene in the gay community for last. That would be internalized homophobia and heterosexism. When it comes from others, homophobia is a fear of homosexuals and homosexuality. When it comes from within, it can be the fear that one is gay, but it can also be a fear of being seen as gay or being associated with gay people. Heterosexism is the belief that heterosexuality and the heterosexual lifestyle are better and more valid than homosexuality and the homosexual lifestyle. When gay people say they want to meet people who are, quote, normal or straight acting, the underlying message is that there's something inherently normal or to be valued about straight culture and straight norms, and that there's something inherently wrong with gay people and even the gay community at large. I have to take issue with that. While I think the gay community as a whole has a lot of growing and maturing to do, and while I'd be the first to criticize certain negative aspects in the gay community such as shallowness and superficiality, a lack of respect for individuality over conformity, and being a mindless clone, and a certain narrow-mindedness and narrow vision within our movement, Um, Okay, don't get me started. But I don't think that heterosexuality or heterosexual norms are inherently better than homosexuality and what our community could become. One of my reasons for doing this podcast is because I think that gay people have an essential and special spiritual purpose in the world, a purpose that sets us apart from straight people. As I've mentioned before, in many ancient religions and cultures, we were the priests and shamans. We were seen as mystical. We were seen to bridge the gap between male and female. We were seen as something inherently special. I believe we are here on this earth to challenge the assumptions about gender and sexuality that the rest of the world takes for granted, and that we have an inherent right, perhaps even an imperative, to chart our own paths and to make our own rules without blindly following the paths and rules set out by heterosexual culture. Back in the early to mid-80s, my friends and me were pretty much over the gay scene. The movement wasn't radical anymore. It had become assimilistic. The gay scene used to be this whole underground that covered all sorts of people who weren't mainstream. 
nonconformists, radicals, leathermen, socialists, and racial minorities. It's all about radical expression and sexual and gender experimentation. The early gay bars were an incredible mixture. Gay bars were a meeting place for disenfranchised people. By the 80s, the gay movement had become mainstream and commercial. It had lost its original roots and became quite conventional. Many of the bars had become incredibly racist, too. Despite some very valid criticisms of gay culture, I'd like to take a few moments to talk about some of the redeeming qualities of the gay scene. With respect to gay bars, historically they have been a major focal point and meeting place for gay people. Before the internet, before gay-straight alliances in schools, and before gay people felt free enough to come out in public, the bars were often the place where people first came out and where they went for community, affirmation, and support. The bars still are in some places, especially small, rural towns. While they were once the epicenter of gay culture, gay bars have lost their importance in the age of the internet and a greater acceptance of homosexuality. In 2007, Entrepreneur.com listed gay bars in its list of 10 businesses facing extinction within the next 10 years. The gay scene, whether it be the bars, the digital world, or gay organizations, also gives people a safe place, or at least a safer place, where they can go to discover alternative and positive ways of looking at the world and themselves that is different from what they've been taught by a predominantly straight world. It gives them a place to fit in, a place to experiment, a place to express themselves, and a place to challenge the norms regarding relationships and sexuality that they've been brought up with all their lives. Some parts of the gay scene can provide valuable information, information on coming out, safe sex practices, and politics that affect gay people. They can also hand down a shared history and culture that could be lost otherwise. For many, going to a place with other gay people and where they can be open about their sexuality, often for the first time in their lives, can be a liberating rite of passage that marks a transition from a state of being alone to one of finding community. The gay scene provides a sense of community. It can be a place to find support, validation, and to create social networks. It's a place where you can meet other gay people for friendship, dating, and sex. When I started college, I knew I was gay but I didn't know how to meet other gay people. There was this bar near campus that everyone said was gay bar. It was really this dank hole in the wall and it didn't really look that inviting. Finally, I got the courage to go in. I didn't know what to expect. There were men dancing together and others playing pool. I didn't really talk to anyone and I didn't stay long, but I did pick up a gay paper. In it, I found a listing of other gay bars and groups, including a gay youth group. I started going to the youth group and started feeling better about myself and making other gay friends. It was there that I met my first boyfriend. I really don't know what I would have done if I hadn't found the gay community. Maybe I would have lied about who I am the rest of my life and ended up living alone. I believe the problem for many who are not satisfied with the gay scene is that they feel it doesn't represent them accurately. It doesn't represent their tastes, their interests, their music, or their individuality. People want a place to fit in, and many want to distance themselves from stereotypes that don't represent who they are as gay men. One article I read, called Defending Drag Queens, suggested that the way to combat this distortion is not to silence the divas among us. The way to combat it is for the rest of us plain homosexuals to make our presence known. Maybe the problem is too many of us are complaining about the gay scene, and too few of us are trying to create new ones. Maybe it shouldn't be about putting down other people's preferences and individuality, but celebrating our own. 
How many gay people who consider themselves plain or normal are even out to the world? By remaining closeted, aren't you also perpetuating the stereotypes that normal gay people don't exist? I personally think it would be great to have groups and scenes that provide an alternative for gay men who aren't into the bar scene and sex clubs. I'm personally trying to carve out a niche for gay and bi male pagans, both through this podcast and through a group I'm trying to get going in my own community. That said, I also know the challenges to starting a new scene and the difficulties of getting other people to embrace your scene. At times, competing with the established scenes can be disheartening. There can be several other challenges, too. Like, where do you advertise, and will your advertising be accepted? Is your target audience likely to read the gay media if they, too, are over the gay scene? If you advertise for a pagan group, are you going to face discrimination and misunderstanding from the gay media? If you advertise in the mainstream media or in the media for your chosen scene, will you run into discrimination and homophobia when trying to place an ad for a gay organization? Will the people you're trying to reach, those with similar interests, even be interested in joining a group? Or will they choose to go about things as they always have? It's not that easy to get people to try new things and apathy may abound. Using gay pagans as an example, perhaps they consider themselves solitaries and can't envision a need to socialize with other gay pagans. Maybe they can't see that they might be able to learn and share experiences unique to being gay and pagan. To get something going also requires momentum, and sometimes even getting a core group of people together can be difficult, let alone starting a new scene or movement. In rural areas, there may not even be enough gay people interested in your scene to get anything going. Maybe by your very essence of being a gay group or starting an alternative gay scene, you set yourself up to being ignored by those who themselves are over the gay scene because they believe that all self-affirmed gay groups must fit the cliches and stereotypes. I'm over the gay scene. As a gay man, I don't feel the need to look and act like every other trendy moron. I don't feel the need to get wasted out of my mind while listening to the same electronic crap they play in every club while contorting my half-naked body into the mind-pounding beat. There are so many gay guys out there who are into all sorts of music and fashion than those of the so-called gay scene that only caters to a minority of gay men. The gay scene is just hype and commercialism. There really isn't one gay image or lifestyle. There are many gay men who are happy being individuals and not being dictated by the gay magazines or the gay scene. The gay scene is shallow and narrow and holds little attraction for gay men with depth and intelligence. The gay scene needs a good shakeup so that it reflects the whole range of interests and lifestyles of gay men of all ages, not just those under 30. Many of us don't feel that the gay scene has anything to offer us. We don't fit in well in either the gay or the straight scenes. The gay scene should be made up of a diversity of people of all interests, fashions, and musical tastes. Not just stereotyped clones. I tried with some other friends to start up an alternative to the gay scene, but our efforts were poorly, poorly rewarded. We advertised in the gay paper, Probably most of the people we were trying to reach didn't even read the gay press. Why should they? It didn't represent them, their lifestyle, or their aspirations. We tried putting ads in mainstream papers, but in many cases our ads were rejected. And when they were actually published, we attracted abusive calls from homophobes for advertising in their papers. 
Maybe being gay automatically makes you a part of the gay scene, and maybe it's what you do with it that counts. Maybe we're uncomfortable with the gay scene because we're uncomfortable with parts of ourselves. Or maybe we just don't trust other gay men. Maybe some of the cliches and stereotypes people act out are coping mechanisms from living in an oppressive, heterosexual-dominated society. Maybe the only way we're ever going to meet the love or loves of our lives is to participate in the gay scene. Maybe there's room for individuality and alternative gay scenes after all. I don't have all the answers, especially the answers that are right for you, but I'd like to challenge myself and others who are over the gay scene to get in touch with our reasons and to find the solutions that are right for us and that move the gay community in a positive direction. Whether that is to get back involved in the community, to find an existing scene, or to create a new one. Perhaps it's time for us to find our connection and to find our way home. I hear all the time, I'm not into the gay scene, or I really don't feel part of the gay community. Even better, I just have nothing in common with those people. What? What are you? Well, look, forgetting for a moment these statements are completely subjective, I have a newsflash for you. If you're gay, that makes you connected. <laughs> but does that mean you have to identify with everyone? No. Does it mean it should consume you? Of course not. Does being straight make all straight people cohesive? then why should we think that being gay will, will unite us all together? I would argue that most of the LGBT community really doesn't identify with any one of the more visible subcultures or stereotypes. But because the latter tend to be more visible, we incorrectly assume a lack of connection. So where does that leave us? Well, you can continue to distance yourself out of fear, or you can decide that you are not a victim. I know, I know, it's easier to play the victim when you feel cut off and alone been there, done that, still have the t-shirt. But here's another newsflash for you. No one can make you feel inferior without your permission. And hiding behind ineffectual coping mechanisms is not the answer either. Happiness is not a guarantee. It is up to you to get off your butt and pursue it. It doesn't take courage or bravery or any of that other shit. All it takes is effort. Let go of the outside-looking looking in mentality and join the rest of the community in celebration of life and the struggle for our freedoms. There's no place like home. Well, that just about wraps it up for this episode. A special thanks to my friends Gwydion, David, and Track for reading quotes for me. Also, the two songs you heard in this episode... Being Gay is a Waste of Time and The Rainbow Connection are from GarageBand.com. The next episode will be titled Reclaiming the Gay Masculine. Gay men often get in touch with their feminine sides and their inner divas but forget or ignore that they also need to get in touch with their masculine sides too. We'll talk about that and I'll probably split the episode into a couple parts like I did with this one. To provide balance, I'll probably do an episode after that on honoring the gay feminine. Given my track record with the last couple of episodes, I'm not going to promise when these episodes are actually going to be out, but hopefully I'll have the next episode available by summer. Anyway, thanks for listening. Now go out and make that connection. Thanks for listening to Discovering the Male Mysteries with Mel Mystery Podcast. You can find out more information about the show, its hosts, and find a link to our Yahoo group by going to http colon backslash backslash m-e-l-m-y-s-t-e-r-y dot m-a-t-r-i-x w-e-r-x dot com that's h-t-t-p 
colon backslash backslash nilmystery.matrixworks.com. If you would like to submit original poetry or music, suggest a topic, or guest host a future segment, you can find information on how to do so, including a way to email me on the Mail Mysteries website. And no matter what happens, no matter what obstacles we face, we never forget one of our own. Ah! When you take charge. Ah! Hey, we left Bunton and Beaker back at the gas station. Uh, okay, well, uh, from this point on, no matter what happens, we never forget one of our own. Right. Oh, oh, yeah. Say goodbye, Toto.